Alaska's newsmakers. Action Line KINY. You are listening to Action Line, provided through KNY. I am your host, Jordan Lewis. And joining me, I have a lot of folks with me today, because I'm actually doing this one over Zoom, so we can make sure we can fit everybody. Now, would everyone like to sort of introduce themselves uh, one at a time? I think I'll start with Anna first. Good morning. Uh, my name is Anna Tolfelt, and my pronouns are she, her. I am a biological technician with the Forest Service here in Wrangell. Uh, much of what I do in this position uh, involves collecting data and conducting surveys out in the field, as well as working with the local tribe, um, usually once a week. So, yeah, thanks for having me on. Definitely. Now, I think I'll transfer over to Zaylene. I think I said that right. Yeah, you did. Good morning, Jordan. My name is Zaylene Kalalo. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I am currently the Tribal Relations Specialist for the Chugach National Forest. And before this, I was actually a regulatory regulatory biologist working with endangered salmon. And now I kind of get to focus more on tribal engagement, especially with the tribes in the Chugach National Forest, and learning more about indigenous science and how we can incorporate that um, into forest plans. Gotcha, gotcha. And then Elizabeth, you can go now. Yeah, good morning, Jordan. Thanks for having us. My name is Dr. Elizabeth Graham, and I am an entomologist with the Forest Service. An entomologist is someone who studies insects, and my focus is on forest pests. So I study the things that are feeding on the trees. Gotcha, gotcha. And I am in Juneau. Alrighty, and then I think, Priscilla, you are the last one I got to introduce here. Hi, yes, good morning, Jordan. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Dr. Priscilla Morris. I am the Wood Innovations Program Manager for our state, private, and tribal forestry branch of the Forest Service. And I work with partners across the state, tribal, non-tribal, state, private entities to help fund their projects that want to use any type of wood product. So I work a lot with sawmills. I work a lot on the wood energy side to displace diesel oil to reduce costs in rural communities and help them utilize their natural resources. Gotcha. Okay. And then I will just shout out, uh, we also have Sally Hertz here from the Forest Service as well. She's helping help me kind of coordinate and getting all these folks together for this. So I want to make sure we also acknowledge that you're there too, Sally. <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. Now, obviously, our big topic is really talking about women in STEM, as you were all recently participated in a Women and Girls in Science panel. So I think we'll go in the same order I had you all introduce yourselves. And Anna, I think, how would you want to start with, you know, women in STEM and your and how you were a part of this panel? Oh, gosh. Um, so I am brand new to the Forest Service, but I have a, kind of a long history in um, working in the scientific field. Um, but uh, recognizing women and girls in science, um, it's really important to me as a woman in science because I feel like it's kind of, uh, there's not very many women working in science. In fact, most of my jobs prior to working in the Forest Service, it's been primarily men that I worked with and I was often the only woman. Um, so recognizing women in uh, the scientific workplace is just super important to me. Um, and the work that women have done in the past and continue to do in this field uh, is super important and should never be overlooked. Uh, I, I hope to continue to see more women entering the scientific field. And as I work with the Forest Service, I'm, I'm just really excited to build relationships with other women and uh, just lift each other up and support each other. I think it's really important to build those relationships. 
Gotcha. Okay. I think that's that's a very good point. You know, I remember even during my, my coursework for my undergrad, because I have a biology undergrad, you know, that was a lot of what you saw. You did see a lot of, you know, men in those courses, but you didn't see a lot of women. So seeing more women getting engaged in STEM and having that encouragement, I think, is quite important. Yeah, for me, Jordan, it's a little bit um, kind of similar to what Anna experienced. You know, I worked a lot in salmon fisheries, but also doing tribal engagement. And, you know, anytime I tried to transition to being like a full time fisheries biologist, I found that it was just really hard and competitive. And a lot of those positions were mostly they're mostly seeking out men. You know, and that was very difficult for me, especially being a woman. And not only am I a woman, but I'm also a woman of color. So growing up, I didn't really see a lot of women who look like me in these positions, you know, let alone if there were any women. So for me, it means a lot to be able to celebrate this day and, you know, seeing how far we've come, especially with a lot of the women on this panel. We're all at really different stages of our career, but have very similar experiences, just, you know, finding ways to empower our, our feminism and, you know, showcase kind of the hard work that we're doing. Gotcha. And I'm glad you also took that time to mention that, you know, that you are also a person of color. I know that was a big thing for me as well. Uh, before I went into doing my studies, you know, I'm like, ah, I'm the only person of color doing this entire course. Cool. I will uh, strive and do my best. I think it's very important that you also acknowledge that part of it as well. Yeah. I mean, just to add to that, I think um, historically, you know, a lot of People of color generally go into these agencies doing mostly administrative work. And my parents, my grandparents, they all worked in state government, but they mostly did administrative jobs. I kind of called myself the green sheep of the family because I was the only scientist and the only one who kind of went in this environmental science or science field in general. So, Gotcha. Uh, now, Dr. Graham, how would you like to contribute on that? For me, reflecting on the International Women and Girls in Science Day and preparing for this panel, I really took some time to think about and honor all of the amazing women that I've been fortunate to work with over my career. And I thought it was a really great opportunity to highlight some of the um, the, the great relationships that I was able to build and partnerships and mentors that I found um, with women in science, and then hopefully providing a, a, a model and a platform for other people to come together and, and find that same support that I was so fortunate to have. Gotcha. Okay. And then uh, Priscilla, how would you like to add on to that? Really, I'd just like to really reiterate what Anna, Zaylene, and Dr. Liz said. But, you know, I was in a very male-dominated background, too, when I was doing my undergrad and my graduate degrees. And, you know, I, I integrated myself into that atmosphere because I enjoyed it so much. And I think I really helped my peers realize that women do have a place in, in science and technology and they accepted me with open arms and it was a really cool transition. And so I just like to say to all the ladies out there, the women in science, to keep pushing those boundaries and just keep inserting yourself and lift each other up. Be your support team. And so that's that's what I'd like to add. Gotcha. I think that's also a very important thing because you always everyone always needs that additional bit of encouragement because it can be discouraging when you don't see a lot of folks that look like you or are like you in those kinds of courses. I know that was a bit of how it was for me. Obviously, it's going to be a bit different uh, coming from the, the male perspective on that. But no, definitely, I can agree with you there because everyone needs that support sometimes. It's tough. I mean, we're all we're all here to learn and learn new things. And Knowing that you can walk through an open door and be in, be accepted and work well with others um, is is really the key to improving women's involvement. I think in in these fields. Gotcha. 
Now, my next question, and once again, we'll just kind of do that in the, the same order, is maybe talk to me about some of those those big motivators, those sort of key events that helped lead you along your STEM path and kept you going along that route. Um, yeah, so I, I guess I'll start because um, that's the order we've been going in. Um, my journey to uh, science kind of began early on, although I might not have realized it. Um, I was always curious as a kid about the life that surrounded me and I was always outside playing in the woods, um, at the beach, fishing. Um, so I grew up in Ketchikan, so <laughs> I'm not very far from home now, but um, yeah, I, I was always out, out and about um, hanging out with the salmon and everything. And uh, when I graduated high school, I took a little detour from my outdoor interests and paths. Uh, but quickly found my way back to it uh, by working at a sport fishing lodge on Prince of Wales Island as a bartender. And uh, for, at that job, I found myself really engaging with the guests in conversations about fish and wildlife. And I, I was like, man, I, I actually already have a lot of knowledge about all of these things and I really care about it. Um, and oddly enough, I think it was that job that pushed me to uh, um, go for my associate's degree at Bellingham Technical College for fisheries and aquaculture um, so I could work outside with salmon. And once I completed that job, I, or while I was actually going for that um, um, degree, I was working seasonally at Neath Bay Hatchery, which is like just north of Ketchikan. Um, and then once I completed the degree, I ended up working 10 months out of the year for three years at Burnett Inlet Hatchery on Edelin Island. Um, and then, uh, so I bounced around a bit, but after that, um, a couple of years there, I ended up working for Fish and Game up the Stikine River um, based out of Wrangell and uh, finally found my way back to Wrangell <laughs> from the boonies. And um, now I am working for the Forest Service and I'm finally, I'm in my 30s, going for my undergrad in Fish and Wildlife Conservation Sciences through Oregon State University. And uh, it's my goal to hopefully land a biologist job and uh, continue to, to grow as a person and professionally um, with the Forest Service here in Wrangell. Gotcha, okay. Now, Zaline, talk to me about your journey. Yeah, so my journey is a little bit different. I didn't really grow up being outdoorsy. Um, I, I grew up fishing, but I didn't really go outside. I actually lived in the Arctic for like the first 11 years of my life. And when, you know, when you're up there, it's really cold. You don't really go outside. We also don't have trees up there. So that's another kind of thing. Um, it wasn't until undergrad where I was actually, um, I was also a bio major. So I was majoring in pre-health and I had intentions of becoming a doctor and a nurse, but that was more so because of uh, cultural expectations from my family. You know, it didn't really work out as I'm not a doctor or a nurse, but um, during my time in undergrad, I actually got an internship and then later a research tech position at Department of Fish and Game. And I kind of did a lot of different jobs. Um, but one of the best jobs that I ever had at Fish and Game was working as a re research tech for a division of subsistence. And I was able to go out and um, go to many of the small communities out in Southwest Alaska and in Bristol Bay area. And one of the things that I really took from that experience was, you know, I wasn't going out and touching fish or like looking at species. I was going out and interacting with many of the tribal folks in that 
community and learning about their subsistence harvest. And they would share a lot of stories with me just about generational change, impacts from climate change, and just how resources have changed over time. And because of that experience, I felt like I got to learn more about how a resource, you know, how people are connected to that resource and what it means to them, you know, to not have a resource there, you know, moving forward. So that's kind of how I got my start in tribal relations. And, you know, in any single job I've had, I've always done tribal relations aside from being a biologist. Um, last year, I was actually living in California and I was working on fish passage with endangered salmon for like hydropower facilities. And I was working with a local tribe in the Shasta, California region. And I did that for about two years and I absolutely loved it. But I also had a really hard time working with endangered salmon. It took a really big toll on me and I actually cried a lot about fish. And at that point I kind of decided that I wanted to move back home to Alaska and I needed to take a break from working with salmon. So, you know, I was applying to a lot of different jobs and I was ready to move back home. And the Forest Service called me my first week that I moved back to Alaska and it was a tribal relations position. And I was super stoked because I grew up right outside of the Chugach in Anchorage too. So being able to be in that community and work with many of the tribes on the Chugach, it was really close to my heart. So I've been here for about eight months now, still learning, but just open to every single opportunity that this job has presented itself. Gotcha. And I like how you highlighted, you know, that the importance of that tribal interaction, especially culturally. I mean, thinking about, you know, our primary audience for this program is within Southeast. And that's always been a very big thing, kind of regardless of what kind of work you're doing is, you know, interacting with the tribes, understanding the cultural significance of a lot of things. So I think it's very cool that you talked on that. Thanks, Jordan. All right. Now, Dr. Graham, talk to me about your journey. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so I was definitely not born an entomologist. Many people uh, are, but me, I, I grew into one and um, I wasn't someone who had an insect collection as a kid or anything like that. But um, I really always held a, uh, a fascination and a love for nature and the natural resources and ecology and the forests. And um, when I, after I had finished my undergrad and I was working, I'm originally from uh, the Chicagoland area, I was working in the city and sitting in traffic all the time and I just knew that this was not for me. And so I actually used graduate school as a way to um, expand on that, that interest and that love and pursued a master's degree in forest ecology. And it was there where I discovered the amazing role that insects have in the forest and I just found it so fascinating this um, real life David and Goliath scenario where you've got these tiny insects that can take out these ginormous trees. And so um, as I studied that, I thought it was so amazing, but I didn't know enough about insects. So I had to keep pursuing more degrees and I um, got my doctorate in entomology, but focused on forest pests and um, then continued on and was able to do some more research with some folks in Michigan with the Forest Service there. And then eventually um, got my job here in Juneau about uh, just over 11 years ago and um, when i landed here the first breath i took when i got off the plane i knew i was home and um, i just absolutely love being able to be a part of this amazing forest gotcha i think i think it's a good thing you noted how you were you didn't start off on the entomology sort of route you kind of grew into that later on which i think is kind of almost a universal science experience where you get into the field and you're like 
okay, I want to do this. And then you end up finding like a specific niche later on where you're like, that's where I want to specialize. I know for myself when I was doing that, you know, I went into marine bio originally. And then from there, I further narrowed it down to, oh, well, I want to do sharks specifically. So I need to get into ichthyology and focus on fish in that area. And then obviously I later transitioned out of that. But I think it's kind of, it's, it's cool to know how that is a part of, I think, almost everyone's journey through science. Yeah, definitely. I thought I wanted to be a wildlife biologist, and then it turns out I don't like dead animals, but I can handle dead insects. <laughs> right. My, my brain's like, maybe it's just like the disconnect. You're like, oh, it's the insects. I don't I don't feel as attached to now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All righty. And then, Priscilla, talk to me about your journey. Yeah, so I actually grew up on the east coast of North Carolina, working with my parents on a marina. And so when I was in high school, I was really pushed to go towards college, but I, I kind of figured I'd stay in Eastern North Carolina and just continue the family business. So when I when I got into college, I was accepted into North Carolina State University, and I really had no idea what I wanted to do. So I entered into their first year college program, and they pointed me towards the College of Natural Resources. Um, I grew up hunting and fishing and working on boats, and so the hunting side of me, I was raised on hunting on property that was intensively managed for timber production. And that really piqued my interest as to why they grow trees the way they do and why do they come in and harvest them at certain times. And, and so um, through the College of Natural Resources, I received my undergrad in forest management. And at that time, the economy crashed and it wasn't a really good time to enter the job market, but it was a good time to look at furthering my education and um, entering into the forest biomaterials program, which is the sister program to forest management. And so throughout my graduate school, I was learning, you know, how to take those trees and sustainably use them in valuable wood products. And so I received a master's and Ph.D. from North Carolina State University. And when I was finishing up this Ph.D., I was able to integrate professionally into some conferences to try and take that next step into my career. And I met the director of the Juno Forestry Sciences Lab, and I really tried hard to promote myself with her because I just had this urge, this undeniable urge to come to Alaska. And so in connecting with her, I was hired as an intern with the Juno Forestry Sciences Lab to work on um, data collection on second growth timber to um, determine what the valuable wood products would be from that project. I also got to work on other projects, including some fish biology stuff, some climate monitoring stuff. And so it was a great opportunity for me. And I got the position I have now, uh, I do believe because of that internship and just my background, I have a knowledge of how to sustainably manage the forest, but I also have the knowledge of how to sustainably use that forest in, in wood products that we use every day. Gotcha. Now on that, I'm looking at our clock and we don't have too much time left here. So I want to once again go through each of you. We'll do it in the reverse order this time. And just leave me with one big encouraging thing you'd want to tell any women who are looking at getting into STEM or any young girls that are looking at getting into STEM. And so Priscilla, we'll start with you this time and we'll work our way back to Anna. Yeah, sure thing. I think the biggest message I like to put out there is just to continue to be your own promoter and be confident in yourself and make those connections and continue those connections forward. Um, many of the, the connections I made through undergrad and graduate school, I still have today professionally. And um, 
be the best you you can be and and continue to promote yourself and don't be shy. Thank you, Dr. Graham. Yeah, great advice uh, from Dr. Morris there. And uh, I would also say um, really just to build your network and not be afraid to ask questions. Uh, Really, the more you inquire, the more you'll learn and there's no limit to what we can learn. But then also um, building those networks, like Priscilla mentioned, it's so important to have a, a real, a strong cohort of women to lean on and lift each other up. And so uh, we really want to make sure that they know, everyone knows that there are people like us out there. There are women out there in these jobs, and we're here to help you along the way, too. You've been listening to Action Line on KINY.